This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3196 for Monday, the 2nd of November 2020. Today's show is entitled HPR Community News for October 2020 and is part of the series HPR Community News. It is the 170th show of HPR volunteers and is about 90 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, Dave and Ken review the month's happenings, and try various pronunciations of Cedric DeVroy's name. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Hi everybody, my name is Ken Fallon and you're listening to another episode of Hacker Public Radio. This time it is the Community News for October 2020. Joining me this evening is... Hello everybody. I nearly, <laughs> I nearly did that in a comedic voice. Or maybe I did anyway and didn't know. Um, this is Dave Morris. So for those who don't know, HPR is a the longest running community podcast network where the show's to the podcast are contributed by listeners of the podcast and that's becoming very important point dave because we're short of shows again and the people who have stepped up to the plate are the regular old uh, regulars that uh, are there from time to time and will step into the breach and fix this issue however that kind of is not the point of HPR. The point of HPR is if everybody contributed one show a year, we wouldn't have a problem. It's a very difficult thing to do. We're not the only people who suffer from this. Anybody who, who, anytime you've ever hear, heard a podcaster or YouTuber going, if only everybody donated $1, then I'd be a millionaire. Well, that's kind of the issue we have. But what we do need is people to contribute to the network. This is not a podcast that you download and you just consume and somebody else is paying for it and there's corporate sponsorship or people are collecting money on patreon or whatever that is not how you can contribute to this show how you can contribute is by pressing record and sending in a show all the rest of that is taken care of for you by other people so if you have not contributed to the show press record and go hello my name is insert your name I am living in where you live. How you got, tell us a little bit how you got into tech. And Dave and I, the following month, will go and give you a list of shows that you can record for your next episode. That's how it works, Dave, pretty much. <laughs> true enough, true enough. So, you can introduce the new hosts for this month, which were? Uh, 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 yes, resounding silence, I'm afraid. Nobody, okay. nobody has stepped up. Okay, your homework for next month. If you have not contributed to HPR, I want to see your name there. No excuse. I'm looking at you back in the class, pretending that I don't see you. Yes, homework next month. Yes, submit a show. Thank you. Have a nice day. Goodbye. 
Okay, what we do here in the community news is this is an open show to anybody who's listened to all the episodes in the previous month. And um, yeah, it just gives us an opportunity to uh, make sure that everybody gets some feedback on the shows that they've submitted. Um, not extending the analogy of the <laughs> the teacher marking your homework. That doesn't apply here. This is just fellow contributors to the network uh, shooting the breeze and having a chat about what we found interesting in your shows. Yeah, Indeed. Indeed, yes, yes. I, I'm certainly not going to be marking anything. No. <laughs> that's, that's reserved only for me, Dave. <laughs> Could do better. Anyway, uh, the first show was Season 1, Episode 14, The Big Programming Language Panel, which was from the Linux Outclaws guys. And this was a panel focusing mainly on Rust and how it's going to take over the world, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, that was Linux in-laws, by the way. You, you, uh, you fell into you fell into the trap. Uh, in... Not Linux, anyway. yeah. yeah, yeah Linux not in-laws. Linux. Thank you. Yeah, this this was interesting. I thought I, I did quite enjoy the the chat about the different languages, and there there were a few um, C plus plus and Python and stuff were being talked about, weren't they? But Rust was certainly pretty high on the on the list. Um, yeah, I'm almost tempted to poke around with it. But if I can find the time. Add uh, to the list. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how you get less time the the more time you have. (laughs) Nothing to do with me, I can assure you. (laughs) Hey, Dave. (laughs) There's another project that requires the database. (laughs) I seem to be also creating myself projects right, left, and center. You know, every project sort of fragments into others. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, yeah, that's life, I guess, isn't it? But um, yeah, so I, I enjoyed. That. It was a good idea to do this, and they had some interesting uh, guests on there to to talk about stuff. So yeah, cool. And the audio was much improved. I felt. Yes, I could actually hear Martin this time, and uh, Chris was was on his best behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> in the sense of, uh, well, not being quite so bumptious as uh, as he can be. So the following day, we had Ahuka, who's uh, learning Spanish, and give us a little tip on how to use uh, alternative keyboards uh, maps, which is quite interesting and something that I do. Well, I I use the external, you know, additional umlauts and accents and stuff like that yeah i i um i find this really really useful though i didn't want to go the route that um hookah went particularly i quite like the 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 way that was mentioned in the in the comment shall i read the comment yeah please do um gumnos says using the x compose key when typing in spanish or french i've often i've long used the compose key in x my startup script, and this is uh, .x init or .x session for me as a Fluxbox user, is an equivalent .fluxbox slash startup. I have the following line, and he shows a line, set xkbmap option compose caps, colon caps, which turns my caps key, which I never otherwise use, into a compose key. There are other ways to use other keys instead if you prefer. And then he says he can type, and he's... He's represented that you press um, compose 
followed by an E, followed by a um, an apostrophe to get an E with a what accent is that? Is that a grave accent? Anyway, with an accent, <laughs> I can never remember grave and acute. Um, and there's a few others he lists here which are which are really cool. And um, there are hundreds of these composable characters. Many are intuitive enough that I can guess them if I don't know them cold. Should work out of the box on Linux and BSD, running X, and work with pretty much every X application. And um, to my comment on, on the comment was that uh, I had been doing this for years and years and years, using Ultrix and HPUX and Sonos and stuff. And then I seemed to have completely forgotten it and not used it again on Linux. So this was a revelation <laughs> in the true sense of, oh, I put a thing on top of that thing, and, oh, look, I've just taken it off, and I can see it again. So I've been having a great time relearning all these things. So thank you very much for that. Okay, and I'll read the uh, other comment for that show, which was just sent in by me, which is a link to the cheat sheet, which I gave you, which I intended to add to the comment, and now that oh, you reminded right, me, right, I've right, done right. it. <laughs> Yes, so you're, yes. you're panicking there, there. Oh my goodness me! How come it's not showing on the site here, Ken? I don't understand. Anyway, um, yes, I'll deal with that later. Um, and yeah, I did. Was it you who told me the cheat sheet? Yeah, it was, wasn't yeah. it? Yes, you just said that. Um, yeah, that's really quite useful. But they are really cleverly constructed. So if you want um, a degree sign, which is something I so often do, um, mm -hmm. it, then. It's compose OO. Am I right? Yeah, it is. And um, you know, there's 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 a lot of really obvious ones. I remember from the old days that I didn't have a keyboard with a with a British pound sign on it, so you had to do compose L hyphen, which you can imagine a, a pound sign being an L with a with a line through it. Mm. And uh, you got the got the thing. I don't know if that's in your cheat sheet or whether that's old old school stuff. Don't know. I don't see it. Uh, one I use a lot is the euro symbol. Uh, mm. Compose mm -hmm. e equal marks. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're really cleverly set out, I think. And then uh, I do for the kids' names, like Sinead has got an e father in it, so I do uh, compose e and in uh, a single single quote. And if you wanted to do a double quote, you would do a uh, compose a colon. That's pretty, mm -hmm. and that works with all the uh, all the letters. Yeah. Oh, and I yep. use micro a lot for all the microservices and work, which is compose backslash u, and I use the single arrow sign quite a lot as a delimiter, which is compose dash greater than. Nice. Oh, I've never used that one. That's that's very. That's a, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I um. I, I find if you myself. You take some ASCII text and you want to use a delimiter that ain't going to be in there and have to deal with all the faff of escaping. Mm -hmm. Then, if you use a, a Unicode character like this, then you know it's not going to be in the file. So that's really useful. Yep. yep. No, that that is really good. And things like um, I find myself writing messages on Telegram where I want to put like a, a half or a three quarter symbol and uh, compose three four gets you three quarters, which is again. Very, very obvious, rather nice. And TM, Alt TM. Mm -hmm. Not never done that. Though, Copyright is there as well. Yeah, no, yeah, it's yeah. all. It's uh, pretty yeah. cool. It's, it's pretty cool. It's stuff. It's a good, great one. So the next day, back to the plan. Uh, HPR Community News 2020. We had one comment, and that was by Mike Ray about YAML spacing and Ansible Lint. 
interesting, although I can't see. I didn't find the indentation in YAML as annoying or as difficult as Python. And pip3 install ansible lint will give you a good linter for ansible YAML. I have a repository on GitHub, which is github.com dash chromarty forward slash ansible dash raspberry dash pi with loads of roles, playbooks, most of it with the ALLY bent, no harm. I think I might do a show about that. I love writing Ansible and I'm good at it, although I say so myself, ever the modest. And while I'm here, <laughs> he speak rules, okay? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, yes, good for you. Yeah. Um, oddly enough, I actually have downloaded that uh, Raspberry Pi repository, not knowing that it was from our good friend Mike Ray. That's okay. cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's something I really want to get into. To keep saying this, and I haven't done it. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 true. Yeah, the um, the lint. There wasn't a lint when I first started using Lam a YAML, and I ended up writing one in Perl. I think I might have said this before. Surprise! Um, surprise! So uh, so yeah, it's it's pretty easy because the parser will tell you what's wrong with it, so you can give a report. But uh, now, like I said last time. Um, the with Vim and the various um, syntax checkers, um, which have developed enormously in the past few years, there's an asynchronous thing running um, behind Vim, which is watching everything you type if you if you enable it, and it's saying no, 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 you know you you forgot to put an indent there, or you that's the start of a YAML array, and uh, did you really mean that, and so on and so forth. It's it's excellent. It's very good. So I, I don't find YAML a, a problem. Though it used to be. It used to be a, an issue. Although while some people might find that helpful, other people might find that annoying. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's like having a, <laughs> I don't know, a parrot on your shoulder. Who's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a good boy then? Okie dokie. Open VPN the following day. Norris's. Uh, free tier VPS for securing phone traffic. This was an interesting little one, I thought, for those of you on the road, those of you who remember what it was like to be on the road, um, how you can use uh, low-cost uh, VPSs and OpenVPN um, to and run them on free tier cloud providers or you know cheap cloud providers in order to get access externally to your internal network. Couldn't recommend this highly enough. Uh, very very good show if you're into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Although I was I remember... impressed. Sorry, carry oh. on. No, I just finished. all I said was I was impressed with this one. Yeah, I liked um, I liked uh, this quite a lot actually. They uh, they. Although I remember somebody was promised me a show about a VPN. Can you remember that person uh, at Foston? Somebody who had worked in a mine. Yeah. Yeah, who who could that have been? <laughs> can't imagine. No, no, I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah, owe me a show. Yeah, somebody who had a Pine sixty four phone. Exactly. Almost on about WireGuard. <laughs> no, anybody? anybody? Ah, yeah, Spring yeah, yeah. to mind yeah, it's, at all there at all? The the haze is clearing. It's yeah, the haze is clearing. Sort of rock dust actually. Dinner? I think. Yeah, rather than yeah. haze. It's uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Rock, I don't, yeah. I, 
Mm-hmm. Cornwalls jumps to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know why. That, yeah, just that part of the world yeah. and you know crunching up granite to, to do that would be it. Yeah, better get that show in uh, as quickly as possible uh, before Brexit, or we may have to uh, import put a tariff on it. So sooner rather than later. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Yes, only oh, show. <coughs> Back off there. Finishing the recumbent bicycle, channeling Stephen Hawking's Brian in Ohio describes finishing riding the bicycle. I had no idea what he was on about until I uh, did this spam check through. And this was the culmination of the episode, which no doubt some people, except for Mike Ray, will find annoying uh, because it's eSpeak. But uh, I personally don't find you speak annoying because I use it every day. I found it was fine actually. I, I quite uh, it, it's it's a good way of dealing with the situation. We don't have a chance to uh, to read your yep. own your own notes. It's uh, it's good. Yeah, it, it seemed perfectly acceptable to me. Um, yeah, I, and and the personally, I love the love the pictures. Um, yeah, though they're they're uh, it's. It's a it's a wonderful project. It's not a thing I would ever want to do myself. I feel, but uh, it's extremely impressive uh, what can be done. And it's not as if he has a lot in the way of tools, like a Black and Decker workmate and a and a few pipe benders and stuff that you can uh-huh, borrow. Uh-huh, you can even uh-huh. uh, rent them out. Yep. Um, yep. So quite impressive, I must say. Not something that I would build myself, but uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Very own... very cool. He brazed a lot of the, the pipes himself, which is a, yeah. a skill that's well worth developing if, you, if you're into doing that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well done. Well done. Cool. And the following day, make MKV to back up media and an open question. Two ways to install make MKV DVD and Blu-ray backup programs on Fedora 32 and to answer Archer 72's question. Basically, he takes DVDs and CDs and extract them. And the question at the end was basically, is he nuts for doing something like this? I thought so personally. It seems like a pretty well, sense. sense no, the reason I put it so personally is that I am now recording a follow up show for this hashtag or myself show. Um, <laughs> for, for, because I have done this exact same thing and will stand by my decision to do this because um, with streaming services, you you never know. It's there one day and it's gone the next. Um, these are the views of myself and not necessarily those of my employer. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, so you have something physical that you physically own yourself and um, you don't have to faff around with uh, that it doesn't have the right subtitles or the right whatever you can download it it's on it's there on your network and you have access to it so it's uh, a, an absolute excellent thing so uh, there's some some tools that uh, would make his life a lot easier that I've used for doing the DVD portion portion and the CD portion um, I I dragged out my usual K3B and then found that uh, it uses uh, free uh, free DB free DCD free CDDB.org, which has now gone defunct the project oh. and no longer looks up um, no longer looks up uh, CDs for me. So that's a, a ripping tool that has ceased to be functional for me at least. So 
yeah, that's one of these. That's why the show would have been posted, but uh, didn't get posted. Turns into a saga. Mm. I've, I've used that a lot, not for many, many years, mind you, but uh, yeah, that, that was such a convenient thing to, to be able to do. There was a while where we didn't buy CDs anymore because yeah, you had them online, but now it's a case where I'm listening to a lot of independent bands and it's, uh, you know, you would have said, oh, well, I'll go to a concert when they're when they're on. But now in COVID times, the only way of showing appreciation to these bands is to buy the CD. It's, you know, treated as a, a physical donation to them. And, you know, that's that's kind of the way I, I'm looking at it now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, fair enough. Do you so want to read that uh, comment there? Yes, uh, I will do that. Jane Doc, who we haven't heard from for a long time. I remember the name as, as a host who sent in some really interesting shows in the past. Using Make uh, MKV. Make MKV, sorry. Thanks for your show. I really enjoy Make MKV. Unfortunately, I've had better luck with it on my Windows partition. There are more restrictions ripping DVDs when I use my Ubuntu laptop. Since my home has limited broadband, I like to buy DVDs and rip them on my computer to watch offline. I use Handbrake to compress the video files. So you're not the only one who uses Make MKV. And live on the show, two sh- two episodes have been submitted by Yeroon. I just saw that, yes. Oh, oh that's Choose me up no end, <laughs> You have better access to the information than I do. I just saw them come in, not who had sent them. So, yeah. Oh, you have the email, don't you? And then you look at no, the email no. address. There's no email with that comes to yeah. me for, for shows, no. You're on the admin at HPR list. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't get no... They go to that? No, I never send them. Okay. Something's, something's strange. Something's throwing them away. There's, there's, yeah, there are mail issues all over the place. And some of them might be Thunderbird, but I, I don't know. I yeah, had okay. to do something in. Uh, I had to do something in Gmail to get them to forward or something. Yeah, strange because you're on there. You're definitely on that list. I get loads of other messages on that on that mailing list, but nothing about that. You don't get confirmation to request to reserve a show, and you don't get thank you oh, for uploading. I get, I get those. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the one I get. But that's but I get only get them for my shows. No, no, I don't get them to admin. I get them to me. So yeah, oh. as a host. <clears throat> no, when when anyone submits a show, there's a there's an email sent to admin list, and you should get it. No, not seen one of those for forever. Do okay. Note to self. Dave, take a note. <laughs> we need to fix this. <laughs> yeah, yes. See, I never knew it happened, so I never, yeah, never knew exactly. that I was missing it. So that's, that's quite interesting. Um, it's possible that the email address I use, which is a free uh, service running on an Italian hacker server thing, is gets uh, marked down as being a bit, uh, bit iffy from time to time. Um, although I have no idea why, uh, but it does happen. Mm. So it's possible that the, the sender is refusing to, to send it to that. But I get other messages to it. I don't know. I mean, let's not speculate anymore. Okay, well, fine. Fine, 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 fine. The following day, part of the GIMP series, Miscellaneous Tools by Ahuka. These few remaining tools are important and they don't fit neatly into any category. 
So the pot tool, uh, zoom uh, measurement and stuff like that. There are two comments. Who did the last one? Me or you? Shall I do it? I did the last one. Okay. Archer72 says, contributing back. Thanks for the show and the Patreon link. I would like to give a little to some projects too, but sometimes it's a bit tricky to find a way to regularly donate. For example, I started using Fedora, so does my wife, but could not even find a one-time donate button. Kevin replies, donating to Fedora. The Fedora wiki page, and he cites it, uh, explains that they're not looking for money, which I suspect is because they have strong corporate support. I would guess Ubuntu is much the same, but there is more than one way to support a project you like. How about doing some shows on Fedora, why you like it, how to configure it, and so on? Oh, yes, Kevin, you're the man. (laughs) 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 Yes, if I had a hand free, I'd applaud. There you go. Yes. Uh, And the next day, straight from Germany, Real VNC Cloud Offering by um, JWP and another option to remotely access uh, home servers and stuff without having to fiddle with uh, holes in your router, which I consider to be a very dangerous thing, having applications call out, but anywho. And this one was uh, the real VNC cloud offering. So no comments on that show. That was good. My, my notes here said, um, it's really nice to hear JWP in, in it with his great audio as well. He's, he's, his audio sounded really good. So he's obviously not uh, on his phone or whatever he is, or he's got a new phone. On the road, but, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why, Dave? You did this deliberately. The following <laughs> show was from Scotland, and it, will be, it has the name. <laughs> well, it was um, Talk Like a Pirate Day, so we had to make some reference to uh, pirates. So, so I came up with Yo-Ho-Ho and a bottle of Coley Calciferol, which is another name for vitamin D, which we talked about. Yes, it was a nice show. I uh, didn't realise the differences in the naming. It was nice to have that cleared up. Oh, the... COVID-19 and the uh, the name of the virus, SARS-CoV-2 yeah, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's, it's quite confusing, isn't it? In fact, the virologists say, why have we got a disease and a virus with different names? I mean, we, we don't do that elsewhere. The polio virus is called polio and stuff like that, you know? So uh, it's, it's somebody, somebody slipped up <laughs> in the hierarchy. But, you know, it's not, uh, not the most difficult thing in the world. Yeah. Probably that they didn't think it was all that big a deal when it started off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's got something to do with it. Nothing controversial said in that episode, I'm afraid, Dave. So no, we're just going to have no, to. No, no. we uh, sent everybody to sleep, probably. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, I love these shows. They're really nice and relaxing and just. Yeah. Yeah, I. I that's what I said to Andrew that the, the, the concept of people just chattering about stuff which is you know vaguely relevant hopefully to the to the audience can be can be great you know it's like sitting in the pub and listening to somebody talking to old codgers yeah that's right you're not necessarily participating but you're just letting it flow over you that's interesting yeah so yeah (laughs) okay next one was don't trust zip files from cedric de fruiri 
said yeah. this time deliberately to uh, make sure he's on the show the next time. Did he not say he was going to join us today? He did, yeah. I don't know whether he got... He, well, you know how it is. Saturday afternoon can be difficult. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it'd be nice to have him along. I'd really want to know how he pronounces his name, but uh, I haven't managed to solve that by listening Fui. to... I think, I think Vrui is Vrui is is probably the the way because that, that's the way I've heard it on the sites where you look up how you pronounce names. And uh, but yeah, <laughs> you go to sites. To, that's how you know how to pronounce people's names. <laughs> you actually do research. I, I do. I, oh yeah. Well, absolutely, absolutely. One, one I actually know. have. Um, whenever a host submits their show, I take a sample of how they pronounce the name and put it on the. On the upload form, or mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. on the website, but uh, it's on the list of things to do that you can click it and then be able to hear them introduce themselves. Yep, yeah, that's a great idea. It's it's, it's something we should ask on your first show. Just say how you say your name. Yes, yeah, so we do. Nice. <laughs> do we say that? Okay. Yes, it's on the list. Of, please introduce yourself. Amazing how many people forget to do that, and you there are some people where I'm still listening seven shows in for some time to say that they will slip their name in so I can have uh, <laughs> something other than the speak version of the name. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, good. But this show, for those not listening, was uh, Privacy and Security, how he was able to use symlinks in zip files, and the zip files then allowed him to access any file on the on the host server's network and the file he linked to was the etc hosts or um, password file which is now not actually used for containing passwords that's an etc shadow but still at the same time he could pull both of those files down and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. gain access to stuff not good yeah it's it's i hadn't i wasn't aware of that i mean it used to be a thing that you were warned about allowing things to to create um, symbolic links um, back in the day of, of early days of security, but it never occurred to me that uh, the zip um, software would let you do that. So, uh, following day was in Linux in laws, this time they're in laws, and they were talking about IT security and stick insects. So I won't read the summary for people, <laughs> but some good links there to uh, Lux, EncryptFS, uh, EncFS, KeePass, exactly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. No, some uh, good subject to be uh, to be summarizing like that. There's a lot of, lot of good information there. So Clinton Roy says, mix not quite right. It's almost like separate streams were spliced on top of each other rather than interleaved, question mark. He's referring to the fact that uh, they were talking over one another at the, at the start quite, uh, yeah. quite badly. So, yeah, yeah. Cedric de Vruy said, I hope, got, I hope we got that right, Cedric. Great show. Keep them coming. Hey, man, I love this show each and every time. The mood is great. The content is very much interesting. I love listening to people talking about interesting things in a relaxed context, and this show pulls that perfectly. Keep them coming. Excellent. Pandemics in history. Not so excellent. Infectious disease is one of the most important factors influencing human history. Ahuka health and healthcare. And this one was... 
uh, basically an Euro Western centric look at pandemics um, that have occurred. Did he also go into the uh, the effect that uh, Western and air quotes had on the um, on the Americas with the bringing all those interesting diseases over? He yeah, did, he did European he colonization did, of America yeah, killed ten yeah, percent of the world population. I've actually yeah. heard several people on this subject lately, and I've got them a bit yeah. merged together in my brain. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty certain that uh, Hooker mentioned that. Um, I mean, it's a it's a well known well known nastiness. So Brian in Ohio says, "Fear porn, good show, but I'm a bit confused. People tell me there are too many people on the planet, too much man-made global climate change. Isn't disease a good thing? Doesn't it tend the herd a bit?" What should I be afraid of today? Too many people, too much CO2, capitalism. Yes. Yes, Brian, all of those things. And the hamsters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. I think maybe fear is not necessarily the the, uh, the right response. More to uh, see if you can make a change or pressure others to make the changes that will, uh, yeah. will help some of these things. But uh, the thing is, yeah. If people were tackling the problems, you wouldn't need the fear. But people are True. not tackling the problems. That is, that is a bit of the problem. Too much I vested mean, interest in uh, in the, the um, some of the problems are uh, are not going to get solved because the people are making money from not solving them. So yeah, but that has always been the case, Dave, and everything. Just, I imagine that that when the iron maker or the, the the bronze makers were around the fire, going, "Oh, this newfangled iron coming in." Yeah, not like the bronze of my day. I'm going to be, I'm going to be out of work, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. So yes, so Cedric, Cedric de Bruy, um I'm having a go. I'm sorry. A hookah. Great show. Coincidentally, I'd heard a show on the same topic on national radio here in Belgium. Their angle was how the Spanish flu had actually ended the First World War, and that most of the casualties in that conflict originated from that disease instead of the fighting. Mm, interesting. There, there was a lot after the First there World was. War, I know that much, and there were two two waves, and people didn't like wearing masks and um, got oh, uh, and all of that stuff that uh, seems to be the norm. And the malnutrition, and yeah. Okay, lighter things. See what I did there, Dave? See what I did there? A light bulb moment. <laughs> Part two, the history of lighting by Mr. X. And this, this is a, this is actually quite quite a cool show. Um, very brief history of lighting from fire to the wick, tungsten filaments, halogen, fluorescent, fluorescent light strips and sodium. What I find interesting about lighting, Dave, is that roughly the same percentage of people's income is spent on lighting throughout the ages. Isn't that fascinating? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have, of yeah. course, no research to back that thing up at all. But <laughs> I, just, I heard it somewhere on some podcast, so it must be true. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I don't, I couldn't say, but uh, it sounds likely. It sounds likely because it's been expensive in the past, isn't it? It's a, yeah. I think uh, Mister X mentioned sort of gas mantles and stuff. Did he? I, I heard yeah. him say that because I was thinking about that as he was talking, thinking. 
going to going to stay in places where they had them still it's a strange and mysterious process of setting light to one of those things and yeah, watching yeah. the little the little mantle go go white hot and all that stuff yeah yeah it's very I used to uh, thing. we had uh, in our old house my granny's granny their house had uh, you know some ornamental ones uh, gas mm-hmm. lights and occasionally they would turn on but and occasionally you go into a house of, uh, you know, uh, the, the you probably don't know because you're not a Catholic and not from Ireland. There's this thing called the stations, which occurs in Ireland where a mm-hmm. mass, which is a Catholic uh, celebration, occurs in springtime and sometimes in autumn time in people's houses. And it's usually once every seven years. So it goes, you know, Every every year it goes round, but it's uh, every week in a different um, part of the parish. And then, so this this year it's going to be your house, and then it's your next door neighbor, and their next door neighbor, and and the, and the whole way down. And it's essentially a way of making sure that your house gets decluttered because <laughs> everything's taken out, and only the good, you know there's one room where everything, all the crap is hidden. And then occasionally, bringing this story to a point, occasionally you would go, there are a lot of bachelors who and you know lived in the middle of the bog somewhere, and then the, the ladies would descend upon the house the week before and completely overturn these poor blokes' lives, you know. Everything is removed out of the house and all their furniture, the whole house is painted and the garden is cleaned up and everything, you know. But some of those dudes... When I was an altar boy, I, you go to these houses and, um, you know, they still have the old uh, lamp. They wouldn't have electricity even, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they were few and far between. Good way of making money as a child. Not so much about the religion, more about the cash that came associated with those events. Wow. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an interesting insight. Yeah. I, I have a friend who's um, who's brought up Catholic and uh, he isn't anymore. And he often talks about... Uh, and his wife uh, and his mother is um, Irish, so I think it must mm. have been a fairly Irish-oriented Catholic upbringing. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, I've heard a few few tales. He he claims that there's somewhere in um, Ireland where you can find the skull of John the Baptist, aged five. But yep, uh, yep. which is <laughs> which is a which is a wonderful concept. This guy going around shedding skulls <laughs> all through oh, his yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah but. Uh, uh, it struck me as just a rather, rather silly joke. It was a classic. Uh, it was uh, there was a classic uh, variation of that was done on the Late Late Show one time, where um, somebody was saying that an American tourist came to Shannon and uh, bought a skull of Saint Patrick, and then twenty five years later went back, and the same dude was selling the same was selling <laughs> a skull of Saint Patrick, and he goes. <laughs> Yeah, but you sold me this one twenty five years ago. Ha ha, but this is this this is the skull of Saint Patrick as a young man. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> love it. Yes, yes. It's been done, obviously, yes. Yeah, I think I think people uh, to be honest, uh, think that Ireland is a very Catholic country and they are to a point. <laughs> and there's a there's a point where it's it's a very social thing to go to mass because you meet everybody in the neighborhood. At mass, and it's uh, for a lot of people, it's about uh, meeting outside of mass. You know, all the neighbors and whoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so much nowadays with all the WhatsApp and stuff coming on. So, 
but that was definitely a lot about it was that you you turn up there's a social responsibility to to go to mass especially if there's a you know, if it's a memory, it's a memorial mass for some neighbor that you knew, blah blah blah, many years ago. Then, if you don't turn up, it's like, oh god, the volunteers didn't turn up at the mass. <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. Was it because a lot of the uh, when I was, <laughs> let's take a tangent on the tangent here. Uh, when I was going to mass, a lot of the um, the old IRA lads, yeah, and those are the ones who fought the British. <laughs> in the war of independence they were excommunicated from the church at the time and they wouldn't go into mass still um and when they were allowed back in they were still they would just go in for the the um the uh the giving around the bread and stuff and then they'd mm-hmm. leave again even mm-hmm. even at that age so they were they were uh uh outside the church so it was like it's really, really a weird, weird thing. Anyway, don't know how I got to that. Anyway, no, no, it's interesting. There's a, there's a show in there somewhere. But, uh... Yeah, we just bloody wasted it now, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went to um, Portugal uh, many t- years ago with my boss. We used to go to conferences. He would choose somebody from the department and say, right, I'm, after this conference, I'm chairing something or other. Would you like to come with me? And you'd say, okay, fine. And uh, we had quite a lot of spare time. We were in north of uh, what's the main city in Portugal? I can't remember. It's anyway, um, it's a very Catholic country, and there's so many churches. And he was a Catholic, and he said, "Do you mind if we have a wee drive around and go and visit all the the churches?" And uh, and he was fascinated with all the well, obviously the the icons and everything, but um, the the reliquaries. The yeah. amount, the amount of bone in those reliquaries was astonishing. I don't think, I don't know if it's that common in certainly not in the UK, is it? I, I don't know. I'm not really that, no. that knowledgeable about it. But uh, the whole business of visiting Portuguese church, uh, Catholic churches, to uh, to to check them out, and, and he was to give me lessons in. Well, this is the reliquary. That's the stations of the the cross and all that stuff. So yeah. Yeah, never, never that into it, Dave. Was in for the money. <laughs> Lisbon was, was the answer to your question. Thanks to Wikipedia. <laughs> it was a good bit of anthropology, at very least. Yeah, yeah. But I, uh, I do, um, I do find that the Catholic Church in Ireland is, is fundamentally different here on the continent. If you, uh, when I went into the um, to mass in the Netherlands, even even going to an English mass here, it's a long. <laughs> a good mass in Ireland is 25 minutes you know 20 minutes is going to send you to Donegal uh, and anything longer is like just too much so 25 minutes <laughs> is the perfect time for mass uh, it gives you plenty of time for chatting outside and you're back in an hour the, enough time for it to put on the roast on the Sunday you know what I mean <laughs> priorities day indeed, indeed yes. practical Catholics that's what we are anywho uh, right off the subject or we'll have to record a show on it Trying to find the tab. Light bulb moment. No comments. Not really surprising as it was only this week. Ansible for dynamic host control configuration protocol. Now, oddly enough, I was thinking of doing this very same thing for the uh, for all the pies here on the network, Dave. 
including the mm-hmm. wall of pies that I have over there. But I don't run free free BSD, but it shows you what is possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very intriguing. You'd need to have a you'd have a router that was capable of uh, of being run in this sort of way, which mm-hmm. implies using a a server of some kind to uh, to run your your network, which I've tended to avoid because it's expensive. They tend to be expensive things to run. Uh, yeah, because you wrong, can run wrong. OpenBSD on a toaster, surely a Raspberry yeah. Pi for sure. Yeah, well, one of these SBCs that have two yeah. ports would be an interesting thing to do. I mean, I can't remember which one does, but one of the uh, one of them does, doesn't it? And not for a yes, huge amount do. of money. Nope, <coughs> not a huge amount of money at all. But then I tend to run them on, uh, uh, what do you call it? Let me just log into my router and find out the answer to these two questions. I have ones from gl.net gl.inet uh-huh. uh, which have the really tiny little the size of a matchbox type thing half uh, half a playing card that sort of size uh-huh. and mm. out of the box you can have them run open wrt okay so, okay uh, very yeah, very cool little things that's quite neat i i did want to go down that route at some point but there's not many machines that will not many proper routers that will run mm. that, that type of stuff these days Anywho, Cedric says, also getting into Ansible. Hi, Norist. I've just recently started using Ansible. I'm currently playing with a new toy, a Turing Pi board equipped with seven Raspberry Pi compute modules. Basically, it's like a single board cluster, so to speak, smiley face. Anywho, anyways, I found Ansible extremely helpful in setting these up. First, I make all the pies with a fresh install of Ubuntu server with SSH enabled and an account that is authorized my public key. Then I just create a simple inventory file with IPs of each node and I was good to go. Then I could do ansible-c cluster-a and then quotes with a command, which is sudo apt updates and sudo apt install-y Kubernetes. End of comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. The... um. Have you looked at the Turing Pi uh, thing at all? Is, um, I have, but I'm not really into the compute module <coughs> thing. It doesn't no, float no, my no. boat, per se. No, no. The the new compute module, the one that's just out, yeah. is, is quite impressive. But, uh, yeah, I was intrigued by the Turing Pi thing, and... Um, but I'm not. I'm not really sure what I would use it for. Exactly. Other than yeah. say, look, I've got a story here. Yeah, yeah, great, fine. Now, can we get on and do something else, please? Um, yeah, it's. But I mean, that's just lack of imagination on my part. But yeah, yes. that's quite impressive. Quite impressive. That would be an excellent show for Cedric to do. Uh, on why? Why Turing Pi board? Mm-hmm. Tell us. It's it's good for running all sorts of um, clusterable things, presumably Kubernetes being one, I guess. Mm-hmm. So Archer72 answered the call and got himself added to my, well, he was already on there, on my uh, old regulars uh, <laughs> list, along with Mr. X and yourself, among others. And this was a thrift store quick fix for a doggy blanket. Hot glue to the to the rescue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's I thought it's great. I like these sorts of things. And the 
The dog looks, uh, I don't know if it's happy it's or not. Warm. <laughs> yeah, it looks well, well warmed up with its lovely jacket. So, yeah, yeah. I just, I just got through six sticks of glue yesterday, sticking the rope back onto the cat scratching post. We're, we're cat people here. Um, so mm-hmm. scratching posts with rope random. This cat can shred it in, in about a week. So I don't know whether hot water will keep her. She's got claws like razors. She's incredible. Because she, you just need to pull, just break one rope, and the whole thing falls off because it's, it's one, one um, continuous run. Maybe a staple at the top and bottom. Maybe one or two in the middle. I don't know. I've not seen them. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, an interesting thing. But anyway, hot glue is, is good stuff, I think. Let's see, see whether this lasts. But, yeah, good show. Uh, the following day on our allotted walk, my wife and I having a romantic <laughs> romantic walk in the graveyard. Surprisingly, that is what we do. We, we, uh, like your friend who goes to uh, churches, I, I would <laughs> go to uh, graveyards in particular cities and stuff. Yep. There's, cool. there's a lot to be said for it. I, I used to uh, take a, a, a lunchtime walk around the Greyfriars, Greyfriars Bobby Churchyard, which is just up the road from where, where the uh, university I worked for had some of its buildings. And, um, wow, it's, Edinburgh's full of bizarre churchyards. You'd love it. Um but yeah, with all these sort of lowering angels sort of things on, on, on yeah, huge great really better. headstones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I can I can see this. There's a certain appeal to that. Certainly intriguing that the soil is not really soil. It is a bit, I guess. There's some sort of uh, it's called sand, Dave. <laughs> but it seems to be grow. I mean, you can't grow a tree on sand, so there must be a bit more to it than that. But, no, the uh, the dragon. It's actually quite interesting. The whole. Um, how they convert basically deltas into uh, into arable land. So, but I, that's a topic for another day. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. for those of you wondering, this is about uh, how you dig graves in the Netherlands, which is essentially a sandpit. So, uh, do you want to do Cedric's one? Oh, yep, yep. Or shall yep. I? Um, no, no. I just takes me a while to scroll down to the end. Um, Cedric de Vroy says, "Love graveyards." Hey, Ken. Love the episode. I also like walking around graveyards. They combine the best in three key factors, I think. Silence. A lot of loud places these days, but a graveyard is almost everywhere a place of serenity. Art. I don't know how things are over there, but here a lot of graves are real works of art and history. Even the graveyard of a small town tells dozens of stories. Visiting tips in Europe from a fellow graveyard lover. Berge Lachaise Cemetery in Paris. Brilliant. Love it. Been there a few times. Oh, right. I've never... No. I've been around graveyards doing family history research and stuff. I don't know how you pronounce Schoenselhof in Antwerp, in Belgium. Yeah, anyway. And there's a really nice one. Can't find the name in uh, the Czech Republic. So, Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Clinton says, "Interesting. I find this quite interesting. I never even thought about such requirements." Thank you. Yep. <laughs> yep. Good point. And the next day we had gimp brushes by Ahuka. Paint tools, particularly gimp, uh, particularly the paintbrush tool required to use 
different types of brushes. And also go to his uh, own website for complete show notes. Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was interesting. I didn't never really thought much about brushes in in these things. Um, so yeah, good to know. Swedish Corona experience. Uh, Daniel Persons, one of the people I am waiting to have his name pronounced on the show, so I can get a snippet. In fact, a whole show with just your name repeating might be necessary also for Cedric. <laughs> just. Anyway, health and healthcare, this is about uh, what the Swedish are doing. If you're sick, stay at home. Symptoms, take a test. Wash your hands 20 seconds. Don't touch your face. Keep a distance of two meters. Don't gather in large crowds. Avoid public transport and work from home if you can. Pretty much the same as here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sounds, sounds pretty sensible. Um, sounds yeah. people people adhere to these things. The The sort of lockdown thing is a bit over the top you feel perhaps i mean that, that seems to be the swedish view and i've certainly heard that view um yeah. but I, I mean the the lockdown was partly put in place because the the epidemiologist said if it is very a very virulent disease then doing that is a great way to prevent it getting around much but then it turned out not to be anywhere near as uh, um transmissible as was thought it's still pretty damn transmissible but the way in which it's transmitted wasn't clear it was all that stuff about sure washing your hands is a great idea because you will pick it up if it's on a surface but um uh but it's not aerosolized it's just coming out of people's mouths and noses mostly so you know it's uh it's it's partly the view has changed as facts have been accumulating i guess yeah um the the thing i i think sweden was applauded for not having lockdown earlier on but uh one factor that i think he touched upon was that quite a lot of people have summer homes and basically it's out in the in the middle of the sticks mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. not going to be in contact with anyone you're just mm-hmm. in the middle of the sticks and uh literally so it's a it's a lockdown without a lockdown it's a you know pleasant lockdown because you're stuck in the middle of the sticks in your own mm-hmm. forest and mm-hmm. you're know, away from everybody and swimming and interacting with very few people and you know going to nice isolated beaches because that's what you want to do because you're living in the middle of a city. But it'll be interesting. It's also interesting here looking at the map to see that there has been you know increases in uh, in cases in the last few weeks that it is rising in Sweden as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Anywho, cheerful stuff, Dave. We should have a COVID-free, uh, COVID-free community news at some point. <laughs> yeah, in a few years. Yeah, we should be fine. Do you want to do McNally's, uh one? Because yeah, I can't read it because of his weird Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> so McNally says, "Interesting info from Sweden." Thank you for this show. I found it very interesting to hear how another country stroke county is dealing with this virus from an individual's perspective. You often hear that Sweden is dealing with COVID-19 by requiring much lighter restrictions than where I am in Scotland slash UK. But your description doesn't sound very different from the situation here. 
One notable difference is that you said older children are not back at school. Here, all children are back, but due to an outbreak at his school, my son is currently at home self-isolating, as are most of his year group, 15, 16-year-olds, uh, of 100 or so pupils. This should not have come as a surprise, as I understand the virus spreads amongst older children, much like it does with adults, though the disease is much less severe in most cases. Interesting, yeah? <coughs> yeah. There'll be people looking back in 15 years at these shows, you know, somebody catching up with all the HBR shows going, that's so <laughs> ridiculous. If they had only known about that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is, there's so many facts coming to the, to the fore all the time. I was listening to uh, This Week in Virology yesterday, they were talking about if you have um, Neanderthal genes, then this seems to... Um, mean that you you have stand a, a higher chance of getting bad effects from this this thing. So if you're um, and it's not as bad in like Africa where there's no Neanderthal genes, the Neanderthals never made it to Africa. So you know that I don't know how what research is behind that, but uh, I think they don't talk about stuff that's that's just um, speculative. But uh, yeah, so you know there's so many factors. Mm. Yeah, exactly. The number of uh, stillbirths has, uh, sorry for bringing that up to some people, um, has decreased. Um, and they don't know if that's from better washing of hands. But I would also say it's probably less stress from travel. And mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so, yeah, you don't know. Be, it, nah. There's a lot of a lot of stuff uh, coming out of this. It's like, okay, it's crap. Now we're at home, but it's a is a really good social experiment to two things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, we're learning a lot of stuff. Not, not, not uh, in the most delightful way, but we are certainly learning things. And Cedric says, "Crap, guess I missed it. So sorry. What a hectic week it's been here in Belgium. We'll try next time. They're in lockdown now. Full, full Monty lockdown. Oh, right, right, right. Okay." Oh, well. And they're asking nurses with COVID to come in and work if they if they can. Ooh, that's that's not good. No, 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 no. No, this is the trouble, isn't it? The uh, the health services are getting the brunt of struggling stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's really really nasty from that point of view. Okay, next one, Dave. Lighter topics again, but getting a bit old now. <laughs> <laughs> a light bulb moment part three the lead revolution by mr x and this is about leds and their history which is actually fascinating and well researched and lots and lots of interesting links in there so yeah thank you mr x for this yeah yeah it uh it's a great subject it, it's astonishing when you look at the history of this stuff what what changes there have been in a relatively small period of time you know it was the thought that the early LEDs could be used to, to light your house was, was just ridiculous. They were just little sort of flickering things in a machine um, on the front and of face expensive. of Yeah, yeah. The front of your hi-fi if you had such a thing. Yeah, on exactly. Tele, on your telly or something. But, uh, yeah, it's it's really, really grown out of all proportion. It's amazing. And then the blue one, because they're so expensive to make, it's a classic product if you have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. It really is. Uh, I uh, 
Let's go and do some more research. Um, go and read the uh, the Wikipedia page and that, that type of thing. It's really good. So, Antithesis, probably pronounced wrong. Paul Quirk, also on the list of old regulars. Um, Pinebook Pro, and why he bought it, then the unboxing, and then uh, a few weeks later, how it's working out. Good episode, this. I liked it. No, it's a good thing to do, a good way to uh, to organize um, a show. And it's most in, in, intriguing to, to hear about uh, such a thing. Yeah, it sounds really good. And last, I think, but not least, is it the last one? Should be, I guess. No, it's not. Uh, Monochromic and the Halloween one with their terrible, terrible, terrible accents. <laughs> But funny nonetheless. Yes, yes, yes. I, I didn't quite make it to the end of this one because my, my time was a bit short, so uh, uh, I'll um, catch up later. But yes, they were they were going all out for the, <laughs> for the Halloween Halloween, <laughs> Halloween themed things. I don't know what um, I've got to do with Halloween, but there you go, whatever. Scary Friday. Yeah, horror. Horror. Um... For your consideration, the ideal ham radio setup, and this was uh, introducing a new podcast by Archer72, podcast recommendation, done very, very well. It's the Ask Noah show, and yeah, this one floated my boat on many levels because I like hearing about new podcasts, and this one was focusing on uh, ham radio, which is another another thing that i'm interested in so great show yeah it was it was an i do enjoy hearing these these um introductions to other podcasts that's always a, a great thing this is a radio show as i understand it which uh, which is then being put out as a podcast but a proper podcast not one of these wall garden podcasts an rssv type podcast and uh yeah and there's some always some really good good stuff on on here in in general so yeah, I'm sure you could learn a lot from this. Yeah, and that was uh, that was pretty much that for the shows for this week, month even, and also this week because it is this week. So we had uh, one comment about fixing ebooks uh, with Calibra uh, <laughs> and PDF crop, uh, which was my show. And the comment is from a guy called Ken Fallon saying, "Thanks for this. I knew this had to be uh, on the internet somewhere." <laughs> So you were Using searching HBR for it as a memory. <laughs> you were looking, you were searching for it, and there it was on HBR, done by this <laughs> exactly. Ken Fallon guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very impressive. <laughs> Seek and you shall find, I guess. I uh, I know we have this rule like uh, hackers. One other person finds it interesting. Is that okay if it's yourself six months after you've done the show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure that means there's potentially other people who will. Uh, who will come along perhaps, later on. Perhaps. I, I had a comment on Twitter a few weeks ago from a Did guy who said, said, thank you very much. I don't read Twitter all that often, but I was on the, um, the alerts I used to have seemed to have failed. But, and he said, thank you very much for the show about bash parameter thingies, which was the first show I ever did on, on uh, bash, the insides of bash and stuff. Very, very oh, wow. helpful and useful. So, so you know... I, I, it's not me blowing my own trumpet, but just to say that 
people do look back through HBO stuff, and uh, presumably there are there are um, indexes, there are searches that that sometimes end up pointing at uh, at some of the the shows, and uh, and people read the uh, read the stuff or listen to the stuff and and can find them useful. So you know, it's, it's never it, it should never downplay what you what you're contributing. Yeah, and this is why I think HBR is really a long tail type of podcast network. You know, kicking uh-huh, comments uh-huh. from a show that was what five years, six years ago now, more. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. So the community news, the mail, the the, the rebooting speech synthesis program. Anywho, now the mail list for those of you who don't know is where we on HPR. Uh, is the D- Democratic Forum for HPR. So if you're not on the mailing list, you're not really having a say in the community. So that is where decisions are discussed and taken. And one of those things was forwarding on... Oh, God. don't know where my brain has gone to, Dave. Anyway, following on from our friends at OLF, the OLF conference run run by the Ohio Linux Fest is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, is the largest gathering of open source and Linux community in Ohio. This year, the conference will be virtual from the November the 5th to the 7th, 2020. Uh, I would highly appreciate it if you could announce a call for presentations and registration links to your group so there you go consider it done yeah good for them having uh having a virtual conference um people seem to have uh, come up with all manner of effective ways of achieving this now so uh so yeah i hope it works out for them then we had a call for shows a call for shows is still open folks still open we are desperately in need of shows i would like uh normally we get um, some of the hosts populate quite a few of the slots and then there's a few that is actually the way I prefer it if you see the queue filled up that every week has got two or three shows in it and then people, the drive-by contributors can post shows in into the free and available slots says he signing that in a way that nobody can see so we do need uh, people to fill up those slots because they're not being filled and we're also not getting... Uh, we can't always rely on somebody finishing 25 shows and uploading like a hookah or operator does. So we can't be depending... Can't be depending on the old regulars, guys. We need... We need to have shows. I can't stress that enough. It's a continual problem. I, I can't fix it. The only people who can fix that are the people listening. Yeah, so... Yeah. Everybody is in lockdown, essentially. Plenty of time to record an old show. Don't be embarrassed about recording it in the toilet. It's a perfectly valid thing to do. And I'm sure there's been more than one shows recorded in the toilet here on HBR. So, yeah. Should there be a lovely Meets echo, most of my friends. which could add exactly. a lot to it. <laughs> yeah. And then there was one about... Uh, the HBR Community News and Cedric was going to join. Um, then I had a request for shows about 3D printers because it's something we discussed uh, before, Dave. And the reason I bring it up again is because um, every time I 
come up with a solution. Every time I think I need a 3D printer, I can come up with a mechanical way that I feel is better or I repurpose something. Uh, but I keep hitting the one problem, and that is buying enclosures for project boxes to put mm-hmm. components into to make a, a thing. And those things are really expensive. And if I was to buy all of those that I need, I would end up you know, being in the realms of a cheap 3D printer. So maybe <laughs> maybe I have found my use case, Dave. Maybe I have. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have n- not made such a thing, but I can well see the the um, effectiveness of of doing something like that. Yeah, that would that would be quite cool, actually. Um, I am not using my three D printer anywhere near as much as some people are, so it it, it is an issue. But yeah, but I want to hear that sort of shows. I got the printer, I did all this research, I put it on my desk, and now I never use it. And here's why I never use it. Because want to hear that as well. Then would you mm-hmm. not consider taking your printer and contributing it to the library and then, you know, have dibs on using it whenever you go down? You know, is there why why 3D printers? Is it the is it the future of the world? Let me let me just read what I asked. Uh homework for this weekend, due on Monday. Can somebody send in shows on 3D printers? I know there are people with them and yet we have no shows. Your first show, what is a 3D what is a 3D printer, types, etc. Uh, some drive-by shows you might want to do in the series. I have a this type of 3D printer. It costs blah, and here are the specs. Uh, I would or would not recommend it, blah, blah, blah. So that sort of thing. Why? Yeah. It's, it's strange because I know a lot of people have 3D printers, and yet we've had no shows, Dave. So it seems odd. Yes, yes. Um, maybe, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good point feel that perhaps printery people tend not to want to talk about what they're doing for some for some <laughs> reason. No, that's it's, ridiculous. It's, <laughs> that's it's, just silly. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's an odd thing. Do, do you think that, because I've been pressuring um, my son's girlfriend who has been doing some really interesting stuff with, with uh, this printer, um, she has been a model maker for a long, long time. She used to buy this, uh, these, these air, air drying clays and that sort of thing and make little, little models mm-hmm. of animals and heads and all manner of stuff, symbols and so on. And then having done that, she'd either give those away, uh, paint them up and give them away to, as presents for, for people and children and stuff, or she then got into making, um, silicon molds from them, and she um, she bought some epoxy resin. You know, one of the big uh, sort of bulk size resins, the clear type that they use in medicine, that type of thing. And yeah, uh, so she was pour- she was pouring a whole stack of uh, models from her master. But then with the three D printer, she was really really keen to start her her sort of base model off with the printer. Um, so I said to her recently, yeah, can do a show for us because that would be really interesting. I'm sure people would like to see what the first stage and, and, and the subsequent stages and the 3D printing and the resining and all that stuff. And she said, oh, yeah, I might do. Yeah, yeah. So um, why? I don't understand why. Sorry, I'm, I'm sounds if I'm nagging her now. She's not even listening. Um, 
But, uh, you know, I don't quite understand what... With me, I have a zeal to tell people about stuff, even if they don't want to hear it. But uh, so, I don't know. Is it makers uh, don't that's actually want to say... That's just because you're Yeah, I sat there as a pupil all those years and said, I want to be a teacher like him, tell people stuff they don't want to hear. Um, yeah, so it... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. This It's it's an odd oddity. It's the... Uh, it's the one percent thing, one to ten percent thing about contributing. That's uh, you know that everybody has. You, you saw with archive.org as well. Like very, very few people contribute back to all the projects. But then again, people contribute to stuff, and then that's the con- where I would contribute to a podcast. I might not necessarily contribute to some other thing. You know, do a YouTube video on it might be my thing. So uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, the podcast is relatively lightweight stuff, um, and uh, yeah, so to me that it's quite an appealing way of saying there's this stuff and you might be interested in it without having to. Go to into think, it. I had to twist your arm to, to get the first show out of you. Oh, I know. I I didn't want to be didn't want my voice to be <laughs> recorded in perpetuity and. I don't want to sound stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look what happened Look after that. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, as we speak, well, actually, as you speak, I've been on mute and I've been drilling holes in an electrical box trying to hack it into a 3D print, into a housing for a project that I'm working on, which will be a HPR show. Hashtag, oh, myself a show. Um but it would be a much. This definitely would be a lot easier if I had a three D printer. I could just lay out the parts and you uh-huh. know, print it. Mm, mm. And I, there are uh, no nice boxes that I can hack. That I can, uh, and they're expensive as well. Um, even yeah. the enclosures, you know, the generic enclosures that you get, are tiny and expensive. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I bought one recently in the well, sometime this year. And uh, was really disappointed at, uh, at how expensive it was. For one of the main things you do get, though, is you get nice um, if you're putting you're putting bolts into it, and you've got embedded uh, nuts inside it, which which make it a nice thing to uh, to, to put the lid on. And I, the one I had just got a rubber seal to it. Oh, cat noises off. And uh, so it's it's really good for that. And I, I don't know how you would three D print something as such a good quality, but there you go. Yeah, but a lot a lot of the um, YouTube channels I watch, they'll have you know they'll do a little project and they'll also upload the uh, the, the files for the project that you can print mm-hmm. the case as well. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Yep, yep. And oh, you... there's tons tons of stuff. Thingiverse. So place. blind Dungeons and Dragons. By Mike Ray. I think he likes C-Speak. May have mentioned it in the past. Um, let me say six. I'm 56 and I'm totally blind. Played D&D for over 40 years. Recently been doing loads of research on the 5th edition and desiring, uh, burning desire to play again. And I got to that part, that far into the email when I thought stay that Tlatu will <laughs> will put up a new game for him. Uh, part, I've been working with friends who've been taking over a local village pub and I want to help them succeed in difficult times. If I can get a D&D group together, we might meet in the pub and play a socially distant uh, D&D game with masks if desired, of course. 
this could either be in Zoom or Jitsi. Our Mumble, Mumble server, HBR Mumble server is available to you for this purpose. So how do I do, how do I DM when I can't see? I can't draw or access virtual maps of the course. So this will have to be more a theater of the mind stuff than usual, I guess. I've listened to some of Klaatu's shows on RPGs and they just make me foam at the mouth even more to get this moving. I'm also making a audible poly dice roller out of an Arduino and a uh, speak jet shield interesting hashtag look that up myself uh, by listening to the critical role podcast i found out about dndandbeyond.com which makes it possible for me to access stats and other material online either from my laptop or my ipad when i dm but there has to be has to be some crossover between me who can see and the players who can anyone got any wisdom to impart Oh, yes, they did, Dave. Oh, yes, they did. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I thought it was enormously um, heartening to see see these responses. It was, yeah, I, I, it really made me feel a lot happier that day, I have to say. It was good. Do you want to uh, do Shall Andrew? Shall yeah. I do Andrew one? Yeah. No, I, I, won't, you know, it's I, won't do, I won't do the accent. Um <laughs> How come you don't have a Scottish accent after all these years? <laughs> it's it's funny, the same way actually. I don't have a Dutch accent after all these it's years. It's very odd. Well, neither of my kids have a Scottish accent. They were born and brought up in Edinburgh. So I think they, I don't know. They've both been quizzed about this. How come you, you live in Scotland and you don't have a... And they said, well, my dad's English. Oh, all right, that'll be it then. You poor win. <laughs> That's it, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Hi, Mike. meanwhile, back to the show. Uh, back to the, yeah. Hi, Mike, says McNallo. I play D&D with Klaatu's HPR group, and I've been amazed at how effective RPGs can be audio-only and online. In some ways, it's like the old saying about radio, the pictures are better than TV. I don't see any impediment to you playing it at all. I'm sure there are dice roller apps that can, be, that can read out numbers, or someone here can hack one together easily enough, or there are tactile dice, etc., we're always looking out rules for each other mid-game because as a group we seem to be cursed with poor memories. At least I am. So doing that for you would be no problem. And if you're blessed with a better memory, you'd be helping us. I'm looking at bringing in a friend who has motor neuron disease that's advanced to the point where he can no longer move even his fingers. With a voice-controlled PC and some assistance from fellow players in recording hit points and inventories and such like, we believe that'll work. Klaatu is far more experienced than I am in RPG matters, and I defer to his judgment, especially on how we organize into groups, as I think our only issue is that we have too many players for one group. A nice problem to have. I look forward to meeting your alter ego in Forgotten Realms or somewhere fantastic, Andrew. Cool, cool, cool. And then, when the sun rose over New Zealand, we got this answer. Mike, I played D&D 3.5 and Pathfinder with a blind player for years. I've admittedly never run a game whilst blind, but I've run sessions with no materials. So it's definitely possible to DM without doing looking at the books or die. I will record a HPR episode with more details and thoughts. <coughs> and here's a quick summary. D&D core rulebooks are available on audiobooks, D&D Beyond is apparently accessible for blind users, untested. 
all thoughts about more traditionally is about what traditionally is made possible by vision no adventure modules is necessary make up an adventure in your head on the fly reacting to players is what makes you a player yourself otherwise you're just a referee and that's boring you need to know or at least have a feel for monster stats you can have player read stats features for you assuming one of them has a monster manual or you can memorize stats from the audio version or you can just invent your own although i'm making stuff up that's fair takes some practice people say players shouldn't know the stats of monsters but i've never played a D &D game of dnd without at least one player knowing a monster stats from memory better than i do <laughs> just doesn't matter tell your players to buy some graph paper and map their process through a town or dungeon i don't know about you but i don't have a cartographer following me around in real life giving me directions so don't think a dm is obligated to map everything out for your player characters really he doesn't have sat nav in his car Anyway, <laughs> theater, of yeah. mind. theater of the mind instead of battle maps. I don't want to bog down my uh, analog game with technology, so I don't tend to use mapping software in my online games. Combat can get fuzzy as a result, but stay flexible. Don't be too strict about movement speed. Describe the combat layout frequently to keep everyone on the same page, and it works out fine. Have players manage initiative, order, and damage. Have players roll your dice as DM. I never conceal rolls from pairs, so it doesn't really matter whether I roll or not. Just tell a player to roll a d20 for you or a d6 for damage or whatever. Frankly, there's a certain sadism to this too. Players have to roll to inflict pain upon each other or themselves. It can be a lot, can be more fun than a DM rolling. Alternative. You can just pre-roll your dice, generate a list of random numbers and progress through these rolls in whatever accessible way you prefer. That's it. It's not a major shift, but a slight adjustment. If you ever want me to run through a one-shot game and talk through the process, let me know. HPR episodes forthcoming. Hashtag won't be a show. So um, the next one is from Kirk Reiser, who... Uh, says D and D or RPG is something that has also interested me for a long time, but I've always been afraid to expose my ignorance of the form. I believe I started to play one game back in the late seventies, but then life got in the way, or something did anyway, so I never got the chance to do it again. If you folks are looking for another Blinks to participate, I'd be willing to try it. And he signs as baffled. Cool. And Jason Dodd says, if you keep this up, I'm going to buckle down and join a game. You've been warned. And um, the inevitable. Uh, you are more than welcome to join in. Uh, that was in reply to, uh, I'm going to buckle down and join a game. You are more than welcome to join in, as is anyone on or adjacent to this mailing list. My public drop-in sessions are announced here mixsignals.ml forward slash games forward slash rpg.xml we play different systems on a rotating basis but if it is some rpg you're looking for then this is the place to start mixsignals.ml forward slash games forward slash rpg.xml you heard it here folks on hyper public radio and mike shall responds I shall i sorry, do mics you want me to do yeah, mics? <clears throat> so mike says Clatu. This is all great stuff. 
I was not able to reply directly because I, I currently have some kind of enigma error on Thunderbird, which stops me replying to anybody with a key. Need to sort that out. So this is a new message with the subject hopefully set right. I've created an account on D&D Beyond after sending them an email and asking them if their materials are accessible. I have bought the Monster Manual and the Dungeon Master's Handbook and cannot only confirm I can yeah not only confirm that both are indeed accessible but that both are beautifully formatted for me to access with the screen reader. For example, the Monster Manual is is well indexed with all the monsters falling under alphabetical order and I can go to say goblins directly and see their stats. So if I was making a campaign I can easily copy and paste monster stats into a serial order text document for me to follow on a laptop or on my iPad. It's been great seeing monster names I've not heard or seen for over 40 years like carrion crawlers and gelatinous cubes. <laughs> like fun. <laughs> the fifth edition rule book I found online and converted into text with the help of the great Kurzweil 1000 OCR app on Windows. The rule book was a PDF of scanned image making up each page, but OCR was not a problem. It has not formatted tables correctly, but I can extract what I need. I've also joined a very big community on Facebook dedicated to 5e D&D. And the folks on there also seem to think being blind is no barrier. Certainly, I already kind of accepted the idea of players rolling my dice for me, and I don't think there is any impediment there. I look forward to another episode on this subject from you. Perhaps if this becomes something of a discussion, we can have a small gamette on Zoom, or preferably Jitsi, and make an episode from it. Anybody else who is up for that could also join in. I've not generated any characters yet, have to get on to that. Next problem is how to stop buying dice on Amazon, but that's another story. It's also very easy <laughs> to write dice applications in Python and JavaScript, of course, Mike. Having uh, Being a parent who bought stuff off his daughter's Christmas list several years, which was this dice, that dice, that dice, bag to put dice in, etc. Do you have <laughs> certain sympathy with this? <laughs> I must admit, we had uh, Patrick... We had difficulty buying him stuff presents, and then now he started getting into D and D. Life has become so much easier. <laughs> Birthday present. Yeah. Hi, Tattoo. Can you recommend something to buy? <laughs> buy uh, yeah, get this book, get this manual, get this dice, and uh, and also uh, Lost in Bronx fed in that as well. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Okay. Next one. To no surprise at all, we get this message from Tattoo. Which was, I'm up for a one-shot game for sure. I could make a two to four hour session on UTC Saturday, somewhere from 1600 or later UTC. I've extracted the text and converted all the tables into bullet lists from the system reference document from the player's handbook. I discussed this with McNeilu in episode uh, 3120. The drawback, if you call it that, is that I've added some open game content to fill out missing character options, which caused my SRD to diverge from the official player's handbook. For instance, the player's handbook offers Path of the Berserkers and Path of the Totem Warriors for Barbarians, but they only release Path of the Berserkers as part of the SRD. So my version offers Path of the Berserkers and a third 
party path of the showman instead. Not a really big deal unless you're playing with some adamantly someone adamantly opposed to third party content. Here's the git repo to that document, notabug.org forward slash notcat2 forward slash five, the digit five uh, S-R-D-N-D, the digit five S-R-D-N-D. The document is five E underscore S-R-D dot M-D. That may or may not be of use to you. I think, uh, Dave, that if time travel is invented, it will be Tlatu trying to fit in more D&D into his life. <laughs> more hours into his day, I think, as well, yeah. yeah. And Mike replies uh, to this. Yeah, I'm following the right thread. I think I need to read a bit more before I dive into a game, he says. So, uh, But he's, he's well on yes. the path, it seems. Speaking of D&D, I have an urgent request from my son. As we now know, there are D and D people there, and this is typical of a conversation that I would have every day. And it is: which undead would you rather be from the D and D version five book? Would you be a lynch or a vampire? And we need to know why. <laughs> so, no idea what any of that means. So, <laughs> if you have I'm an undead character, that. it's not which is the best very important it's which would you rather be keeping in mind that you're going up levels etc etc and this is a very very important question you can reply either as comment to this episode or better yet better yet can you guess what dave can you guess it record <laughs> um, the show oh yeah i nearly got it there nearly got it <laughs> Well, we have to have these shows later in the evening because then we have less time to be waffling. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Um, any other so, stuff? The um. Sorry, sorry, to... Any other any other business stuff? Any 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 AOB. So uh, just the tags and summaries I sent in six yeah, cool. updates. So that's all, all really to say. That's it. Super. Just drinking a coffee, and. Uh, as far as upcoming events and stuff, not really, not a lot that you can go to, but the LWN.net community calendar is on there. So if you're looking for online stuff, there's uh, actually probably more chance of you attending uh, these events because uh, they're more than likely available online. And a lot of stuff is going on in this. So let's go to November Open Fest, Rust Fest, Battle Mesh, Gux Days. Mini Debconf, Emacs, Olaf on the fifth. So that's in uh, it's in four days from now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Open Fest twenty twenty. That's it. Yeah, cool, excellent. Tune in tomorrow, Dave, for another exciting episode of Hacker Public Radio. Radio. Send in shows, 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 send in shows. Truncate silence, not going to do that any good. Yes, yes. Goodbye. Okay. Bye, everybody.
You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.